Today's podcast was originally prepared for the 14th of October, 2022. It is still podcast 814, but it's being released on the 13th of January, 2023. It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 814 for the 14th of October, 2022. This week, version 22H2 of Windows 11 will catch your eye with numerous user interface enhancements, but the real reason to get the update sooner rather than later is the emphasis on security. In short circuits, Microsoft Power Toys adds some must-have features in version 6.2. If you haven't yet installed the free utility, these may be the extras that convince you. Adobe is paying an enormous amount of cash and stock for a seven-year-old application called Figma, $20 billion. Wow. And 20 years ago, only on the website, in 2002, a company wanted people who had trailer hitches on their cars to shell out 30 bucks for a lighted sign. It didn't work out too well. Microsoft released Windows 11 version 22H2 on the 20th of September, so Windows 11 users should already have been offered the update. Don't skip this one, because it includes some robust security improvements in addition to worthwhile user interface enhancements. One primary reason to install 22H2 is the addition of some security features and a change in the way existing security settings are handled. Windows 10 added powerful security features, and these continued in Windows 11, but many of the functions were disabled by default. Leaving the features off unless the user turned them on meant that many users never enabled the protections, either because they didn't understand the functions or they didn't want to take the time to enable them. Windows 11 has some powerful weapons in the battle against phishing and malware. One new feature is called Microsoft Defender System Guard, and it's designed to protect the computer from malevolent firmware. Immediately after I installed the 22H2 update, Windows displayed a warning that firmware protection wasn't enabled. This setting is on the core isolation panel, where it joins a memory protection function, the Microsoft Defender Credential Guard, that protects login credentials and the vulnerable driver block list that's enabled by default and cannot be disabled. Those who write malware constantly improve their products, and that means that developers of operating systems must continue to improve their protections against the dark arts. Firmware initializes the system at boot time and has the highest permissions. The gold standard for an attacker would involve corrupting firmware to give access beyond what even the operating system has. Corrupted firmware can defeat secure boot functionality in a way that makes it nearly impossible to determine whether the system has been breached. Protecting against this threat is essential. Starting with Windows 8, Microsoft introduced Secure Boot to protect against malicious bootloaders and rootkits. The unified extensible firmware interface permits only properly signed bootloaders to run. But firmware is trusted to verify the bootloaders, so crooks do have an opening. 
Enabling the Microsoft Defender System Guard requires that the computer have a CPU that supports some new technology. This is one of the requirements for installing Windows 11, so any Windows 11 user should be able to turn this feature on. Some Windows 10 computers may have compatible CPUs, but definitely not all. So there's a big reason why you should install the upgrade, but there are lots of other reasons why you might want to install it. Many people have complained about the Windows 11 Start menu because of the limited amount of space for application shortcuts. Version 22H2 adjusts the Start menu, but there is still room for improvement. Personalization offers three options, more pins, default, and more recommendations. I had already turned off the Recommendations section, but that didn't allow the Pins section to expand and left a large blank space at the bottom of the menu. Selecting More Pins does expand the Pins area of four rows of six instead of three rows of six. Okay, so that's 25% more application icons, but there is still a big blank area at the bottom. Come on, Microsoft, let users banish the recommended section if they don't want it and expand the pinned section to six or seven rows. One user interface improvement gives the user a better insight into what's inside a folder in Windows Explorer by showing thumbnail images on what were previously blank folder icons. Yes, Windows has finally caught up with a feature that my Android phone has had for quite a while. Another capability that looks like it came from an Android phone involves dragging and dropping one icon in the Start menu on top of another. This creates a folder that the user can then name, so a single Microsoft Office folder replaces seven icons for OneNote, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Publisher, Outlook, and OneDrive on the Start menu. A term such as continuous innovation seems like one created by the PR department, and that may well be true, but that's what Microsoft says is its objective for Windows 11. That objective is visible in version 22H2, the annual feature update that we've come to anticipate or fear. Anticipate if you like change, new features, and improvements. Fear if you dislike change. Here's an example. The quick settings flyout from the right side of the taskbar can now be edited. This is something that Android users will be familiar with. Users can add a limited number of settings and remove ones they don't need. My primary computer is a notebook, so it has built-in Wi-Fi, but it's connected to the router with an Ethernet cable. I don't need Wi-Fi on quick settings, so I can remove it. Likewise, airplane mode. But I would like to have Nightlight on the quick settings. Nightlight is a handy feature intended to limit the amount of blue light from monitors because there is a theory that blue light during evening hours can cause insomnia. By default, users can have the Nightlight feature activate automatically around sunset, but if you're editing photos after sunset, you won't want the feature to be active. With just two clicks, it can now be deactivated. So there's a change, but a highly useful change, even if you're somebody who doesn't like change. There's also a button on the bottom of the flyout that opens Settings. Some changes are so minor that you might not even notice them unless somebody points them out. So I'll point one out. The Task Switcher, which is Alt-Tab, used to display all applications on top of the main screen. Now the open applications are in a frame. This is a minor point and a nearly insignificant change, but I like the effect.
Another minor but welcome change, actually a capability that has been restored, users can now drag an application from the All Apps section of the Start menu to the taskbar to pin it there. That ability mysteriously disappeared between Windows 10 and Windows 11. Well, it's now back. Focus Assist has been renamed Do Not Disturb, and additional settings have been added to allow for more precise control over which applications can display notices and when. Dark and light modes have more selection options. This gets into eye candy territory, but I'm a fan of making something look the way I want it to look. It may not improve productivity, but it might improve enjoyment. Task Manager has an added efficiency mode for some applications. If you see that an application is consuming a lot more system resources than you want, you can right-click the entry in the Task Manager and choose Efficiency Mode. The operating system will then throttle back the memory and CPU cycles the application is able to use. Use this feature with care because it can cause some applications to be unstable or even to crash. Perhaps by now you're wondering how Microsoft will implement this continuous innovation thing. Well, if you're familiar with Adobe's process of releasing application updates whenever they're ready, you're already familiar with the concept. Adobe's updates seem to have no specific schedule. When a new function is ready, an update is issued. Microsoft will create what they're calling a controlled feature rollout process so that new features will be included with the regular monthly Patch Tuesday updates. That process is already in use for computers in the Windows Insider program and for Microsoft Edge. If you're still running Windows 10 and the computer is otherwise eligible for Windows 11, you can still upgrade to Windows 11 version 22H2 for free. The free update period has no end date, but it is important to keep in mind that support ends for Windows 10 on the 14th of October, 2025. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, if you think I mention Microsoft Power Toys frequently, you are correct. That's because new features are added frequently. After a decade that saw little activity on the project, the advances are breathtaking. Version 6.2 adds three new features. Number one, a screen ruler that lets users measure screen distances and rectangles in pixels. Second, a quick accent tool that provides shortcuts for inserting accented letters. Third, text extractor, which resembles the snipping tool, but uses optical character recognition to grab any text in the selected section. And fourth, yeah, I know I said three, but there is a fourth new option that provides a search function for the existing PowerToys run. After running the update, you'll find 15 components in the PowerToys list. That includes the three new functions. 
The Power Toys Run History is a new selection inside the Power Toys Run settings. So let's start with the screen ruler. It's activated by pressing the Windows key, Shift, and M. This displays a small dialog box at the top of the screen with a rectangle, a plus sign, a horizontal line, a vertical line, and an X to close the dialog. Clicking the rectangle lets the user trace an area on the screen, such as around an image. For example, check out the TechBiter Worldwide website. There's an image just above Screen Ruler, and I tried the feature on that. After you've dragged the box around what you want to measure, pressing the X in the dialog box closes the utility and places the dimension in the copy buffer so that it can be pasted in. In my test, I got 304 pixels by 222 pixels for the image. And the accuracy depends on the user's ability to precisely position the mouse. The image was actually 300 by 219 pixels, so close. The other choices make it possible to measure a vertical distance or a horizontal distance, or to capture the spacing between two objects on the screen. Moving on to Quick Accent. Many years ago, I worked with someone whose name contained an E-Acute character. I quickly memorized the code for this character, which is Alt-0233. That allowed me to address her in emails and memos. But there are many accented characters that I don't know. Typing jalapeno without the accented N won't create any confusion, but wouldn't it be great if there was a way to enter these accented characters easily? Quick Accent comes to the rescue. By default, this feature is activated by pressing and holding the key for the letter that needs to be activated, then immediately pressing either the spacebar or the left or right arrow key. I turned off the spacebar option because I found that I accidentally entered accented characters I didn't want when they were at the ends of words. So for the N in jalapeno, press and hold N and tap the right or left arrow key, or if you've left it enabled, the spacebar. A box will open with two possible characters for N. While continuing to hold the N key, use the arrow keys to select the one you want, and then release the N. Vowels such as E offer many more choices. E even includes the euro symbol. This is an outstanding replacement for the character picker that has been part of Windows for many years. It's faster, and it's easier. And the final big addition is the text extractor. When an error message appears on the screen, writing down the exact wording is very helpful. What if you could capture the text without having to write it down manually? That's what the text extractor is for. And it's activated with Windows Shift T. After activating text extractor, draw a rectangle around the text and the text will be placed in the capture buffer. This isn't a screen scrape option. It actually uses optical character recognition, so it works on images, too. If the text is tiny or in an unusual typeface, the OCR process might not be exactly perfect, but I have seen nearly 100% accuracy with normal serif and sans serif typefaces. And there's that addition to Power Toys Run, which is becoming my favorite way to start applications that I don't keep in the taskbar. The XAMPP web server process is needed only when I want to check the operation of website code that's on my local machine. Instead of opening the Start menu, I just press Alt-Spacebar, type XAM, and press Enter. Those who use the feature a lot may find the History function helpful. It's a plug-in that's installed and activated by default. 
pressing alt spacebar and then typing exclamation point exclamation point space car would list any past results that contain the letters car now that may seem silly and for my use case it is but power toys run can also be used to examine onenote the registry web searches and a lot more so that history function could be very helpful if you haven't yet installed Power Toys, now would be a very good time to do so. The project is sponsored by Microsoft, and downloads are housed at GitHub. You'll find a link to GitHub on the TechBiter Worldwide website. When I saw the information about Adobe's purchase of Figma, I thought the price tag was $20 million. Now that's a lot, but then I realized it was really $20 billion. Adobe has never suffered from the not-invented-here malady that affects some businesses. As a result, much of Adobe's growth is based on technology acquired from other companies, not that Adobe lacks talented developers. Sometimes it seems that the company acquires technology and then completely rewrites the code. Will that be the case with Figma? Before going there, perhaps it would be a good idea to find out what Figma is. It's a web application for collaborative interface design for macOS and Windows users. Figma focuses on user interface and user experience design with emphasis on real-time collaboration. Adobe already has tools for both of those functions, so apparently the acquisition team sees significant promise in what Figma will bring to Adobe. For $20 billion, the vision for what Figma will bring must be enormous. Figma already has mobile apps for both Android and iOS devices so that users can view and interact with Figma prototypes on mobile phones and tablets. In a news release, Adobe described its vision in which Adobe and Figma will reimagine the future of creativity and productivity, accelerate creativity on the web, advance product design, and inspire global communities of creators, designers, and developers. The Adobe announcement says the combined company will have a fast-growing market opportunity. The acquisition should be completed sometime in 2023, following the anticipated regulatory clearances. Figma's CEO and co-founder Dylan Field says Figma will be able to take advantage of Adobe's technology to improve the platform's imaging, illustration, and 3D capabilities. Field will remain CEO of Figma. Adobe has emphasized collaboration and acceleration for several years. Digital applications are at the center of our personal and professional lives, the Adobe News release says. The objective is for Adobe and Figma to benefit all stakeholders in the product design process, from designers to product managers to developers, by combining Adobe's imaging, photography, illustration, video, 3D, and font technology with the Figma platform. You don't need $20 billion, $20, or even $2 to read this week's 20 Years Ago article on the TechBiter Worldwide website. In 2002, a company wanted people who had trailer hitches on their cars to shell out $30 for a lighted sign. It wasn't exactly a success. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. 
There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>